Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, 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 everyone. This is your host, Portia Coleman. Welcome to my first podcast on Talk Shoe. Um, Thank you for everyone who is joining us. Um, The call is not actually supposed to start until about 9 o'clock, but we are recording right now, so that gives people a couple minutes to uh, get in to the call, get onto the web client. So I will say in advance, that this is my first time using TalkShoe, um, but I just I could not wait. McKinney and all the surrounding issues needed to be discussed, and it needed to be discussed right now. So I didn't want to wait another week or two, um, so I'm going to ask that you forgive me in advance for any issues that might happen with the podcast. I hope everyone can hear me okay. Um, so we're just going to go into this together, and hopefully some of the callers from um, when I had my blog talk radio show will kind of call in, and we'll have a really good debate, a really good intelligent conversation, because there's a lot of issues at play going on with um, police brutality, with the incident in McKinney, and just a lot of intersections of issues that we're going to break down in just a few moments. So um, if you are already here, welcome. Um, I don't see anybody yet, but I didn't want there to be a lot of the the dead silence. So here we are. And uh, like I said, give people a few more minutes. People have about four or five minutes um, before 9 o'clock to go ahead and get in. So what I will do is start just with a brief overview of what we'll be talking about tonight. And as people come in, we'll take it from there. This is subject to kind of change and, you know, it'll change, it'll warp as we evolve, talk about this, get some more people into the call and onto the panel to discuss. But we're going to be talking about the entirety of the incident at the pool in McKinney, talking about the uh, brutality against the young woman, talk about the officer that resigned, which just happened today, actually just a few hours ago. Um, we'll do a little backtrack. I want to talk a lot about media response. The NYPD commissioner has said some really interesting things. Fox News has posted some things. 
we'll go into all that in just a few minutes, but um, bear with us. We'll be starting up very, very shortly. Uh, so right now I'm going to just give people a chance to call in, and I will be right back with you. This is Portia Coleman. We'll be back live in just a few moments. All right, for those of you who are just joining in, we are now here at the 9 o'clock hour. We'll be starting up momentarily, just giving people a chance to get in, call in to join us on the live chat. Um, We are live right now, and we are recording, so forgive me for that brief pause. Um, As I was stating earlier, for those who weren't in the call, this is my first time actually using TalkShoe. I was not intended to do a podcast until next week or the week after, but these topics just couldn't wait. So here we are. Um, I'm going to get into it in just a couple minutes. Um, But for those of you who would like to call in, the number you can call in on, let me get that for you right now. And you forgive me because I have a lot of windows open with articles that I want to talk about and some things just so I won't forget any of this good stuff for us tonight.
So that phone number for you to call in is 727, area code 7744. That is area code Hello? Hello? Yes. Okay. I think we're all on live, so forgive me. This is my first podcast with this service. So um, I will take the first caller in queue. Go ahead. Hello? Yes, you're on live. Can I have your name, please? Um, this is Betty, but I was basically just um calling in to listen for right now. Okay. I will try to meet you here. Sorry about that.
Okay, I am back. Forgive me for the technical difficulties. Um, I can't see on my web client who's who. It looks like I have two callers listening. What it looks like. Give me one moment, please. Just bear with me for one second. Okay, I'm back. What it's looking like is for those of you who are on the web client, for those of you who have the um, who have the link that I put on Facebook and on Twitter, I might need you all to log in and do like a, a hand raise type of deal because it's showing me where calls are coming in from. I don't have phone numbers. This is not like blog talk, so um, I'll go ahead and get started, and I'm thinking this might be my co-host on the line. I'm going to try to, let's see. I'm going to try to go ahead and allow that to go through. Hello. Hello. Hello? Hello. Yes. Go right ahead. Oh, am I on? You are on. We are on live. We just had some technical difficulties, but that's okay. We're going to get through it together. So you are live on the air. Go ahead and get started. Okay, this is Isaiah Parker. I am here, live and in full effect. So the topic tonight, are we talking about what's happening in McKinney, Texas, and the general overall feelings surrounding that and what's going on in this country? Oh, oh yes. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about the comments from the NYPD commissioner. We're going to talk about the Fox News story that they put up for about three and a half seconds and snatched down because it was crazy, and it's just a bunch of stuff. So I'm going to let you go ahead and open up. I know you had a lot of opinions and a lot of things that you wanted um, to to go ahead and touch on. So I'm going to let you open it up, and I will jump in where I need to. Awesome. Well, like most people who are enlightened and have sense, I'm pissed off as to what did occur and what I have seen. And it's upsetting to me that people are now saying that what I am seeing is not what happened and wait for the facts and sit down and be quiet. But what we have, what we have seen is brutality from the police, once again, on someone of color, on young people who pretty much were minding their business, going somewhere where they were invited to, but we have certain people in this country who see anybody who has melanin as an intruder, someone who's not supposed to be there, people who actually live in that neighborhood, who were invited to a school pool party. And they came, and the person who called the police, we've come to find out, was a criminal. He was um, the, the, the man, I forgot his name, but he, he looks like a caveman. He looks ridiculous. He's, of course, a white man um, who has a history of assault, uh, with a deadly weapon, and he called the police because he thought that these kids were, were putting their brown bodies in the water 
was so threatening that the police had to be called. And I don't know there's rumors about music being played loud and all that kind of stuff, but that does not mean that the police have to come and then start going on some kind of Rambo rampage, cursing and hitting, assaulting, putting these children on the ground and pounding their heads on the ground so hard that the young girl's head was bleeding. And then some random fat white man happened to be right next to the girl with his crotch on her hair. What was he doing? It was some man in plain clothes, some white big fat man in plain clothes, standing there beside that young sister with his crotch on her head like some old pedophile. Why was he allowed to be there and touch these children while the cop was doing his typical clan antics going around and terrorizing on all the black kids while the white kids were not even questioned. The white kid who filmed it, he didn't have a pass, a guest pass either, but of course he wasn't questioned because he was he was white. He says he was invisible, that's his statement. And I don't understand what is going on as far as um no charges being being pressed against this this this, this police officer or charges against this random man who was assaulting the girl as well. And there's a lot of things that I'm upset about that I'm seeing online, a lot of things I'm upset about with Fox. But when it comes to Fox News, you already know what to expect with Fox News. They have an agenda, and they're here to pretty much just sweep everything under the rug. They're not a real news source. Nowadays, there are no real news sources on television as far as the mainstream goes. We have to look at alternative media, and that's why Portia and I are interested in this thing called journalism because we want to put out the real news and the real thing that's going on. Because these news organizations, whether it be MSNBC or Fox, they will always slant in some type of way. But what we see with our own eyes cannot be denied. And that's why it's important for all of us, whenever we see something, to document it and to interview people and get the real story. Because we cannot wait for these news sources to tell us about our people. And that's why the Afro-American newspaper, which is a paper that my family started, was, was created so that we can tell our own story. Because the white folks since the beginning of journalism, have told our stories in a, in a false way. They've painted us as criminals, as monkeys and all that stuff. They've had this huge propaganda against black people, pinning us to be these big, huge monsters that the world needs to be afraid of. And that's why the, <laughs> the, 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 the prison industrial complex is created for us. And that's why they keep putting us in there, because they see us as animals that have to be put into a zoo, that cannot come into their pools. This, these things are still existing. There, there were pools in 2011 that still had signs that said whites only. This thing, so racism is not over, and we need to understand that this is an attack. It is a war, and our kids need to be armed, need to be, be prepared for these types of things. They're so surprised that these kids would run away from, poli- from a police officer, but I don't know why, because they've been killing us for God knows how long. So that's all I have to say right now, and I'll let you <laughs> join us. Let me let me pause you right now because you made like seventeen excellent points, and I just have to touch on um, a few things and expound on uh, a couple things. So first things mm-hmm. first, um, before we go any further, I don't know if everybody has heard yet because this is new within the last couple of hours that the cop did resign. So yeah, he did. Um, I wanted to just in the for the sake of having the most updated information, I wanted to put that out there now. Here's why I'm irritated with that. You don't get to brutalize somebody and then just say, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go ahead and resign now because now what that does is the punishment is going to have to most likely be civil because now we're not dealing with 
We're not dealing with penalizing or punishing a rogue cop anymore because he's not a cop anymore. He's resigned. So, mm-hmm. and what that's going to do is that's going to put the onus on the family because now that police department can throw their hands up and say, well, he's not one of ours anymore, and we can't do anything for you because he was not. So, oh, so the police department itself cannot be held responsible. The, the, the entire department cannot be held responsible. I mean, because weren't they sponsoring their – like, if, if, if he's wearing their uniform, and it, when it happened, regardless of if he resigned. I don't know how it works. I was asking, like, so they, 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 the police department itself cannot be tried in, in a court? I mean, well, what I'm going to have to do, I'm definitely going to do some more research because I don't want yeah. to give inaccurate information and I don't want to speculate. But what it's looking like right now from the very early reports and from very early social media, that this is going to have to end up being strictly a civil case because he's resigned. Mm-hmm. I don't, again, I will do more research. We'll keep everybody posted. I'll be talking about this a lot more. But I think that, it, I don't think that he should have been able to. Resign. I feel like if he was under investigation, if it was under investigation, then that should freeze everybody in place. I don't think anybody should be being hired and fired in the middle of this investigation mm-hmm. until things have gotten to the bottom of because it makes too many moving parts. I think that, you know, and hopefully somebody will call in or somebody will write to me that is law enforcement or somebody who is maybe an attorney or paralegal or can kind of help us parse the legal side of that. Um, because I'm just really curious to know, because I would think that with an investigation pending, it would freeze everybody in place to avoid situations like this where he can just say, you know what, I'm done, and then that makes it a whole other thing. Now, mm-hmm. on the back side of that, because um, <laughs> it's been crazy, even just even just looking at Twitter and looking at some of the things that, has been going on. The first thing that I did want to touch on, and I know this isn't particularly considered media, but the NYPD commissioner, uh, <laughs> the NYPD commissioner Bill Bratton, released a quote, and it I saw it in Huffington Post. I don't know who he originally made the quote to, but he says it's hard to hire. I quote. It's hard to hire black cops because too many have criminal histories. So uh, yeah, I thought, uh, what we have here is now we are being criminalized for being victims of police brutality. And now the police brutality is coming out now because we can't justify, although some people are trying really, really hard, we can't justify throwing a 14-year-old girl around like a rag doll so what we're mm-hmm. going to do is say, oh, I'm sorry, there aren't enough people in law enforcement positions that look like you. That's because you're all criminals and thugs and have a record and I can't hire you. I'm sorry, still your fault. So that was Well, it, it's funny because it's, I, yeah. the way I see it is that most of these police officers, these, these white police officers that have been in the news, their entire police career has been a criminal record. Their entire job is a criminal record. Every day they go to work, they're, they're expanding upon their criminal record by brutalizing people, like mm-hmm. the stop and press practices in New York City. That's criminal to me. So I don't care who's, who, who you're answering to and whose laws you're answering to. It's just their entire existence is a, is a criminal existence. So I don't understand why they have the nerve to say that all oh, black people have a criminal record. And how somebody in a position that he is in is able to say something like that that is clearly racially biased 
And it's proof that these institutions are nothing but clans. It's nothing but clans. The, the, the Ku Klux Klan said several decades ago that they were, they, were, they were going to exchange their white hoods for black robes and for blue uniforms, and they have done that. They've infiltrated in many areas. No, I, I agree with you. And on a historical note, because anybody who follows me knows that I'm really into histronics and, you know, the history of things, I always tell people to bear in mind that the police as we know it is a derivative and was started to protect property back in slavery times. So the police department was never to protect or to serve us. I don't know who came up with that catchphrase later years. I don't know who whose PR spin that was. And and don't get me wrong, because then I, you know, my phone lines will blow up with people. There are good cops, and I'm not saying they're not good cops. I'm explaining the institution, how the institution mm-hmm. is created. So I, I am not saying, nor have I ever said that there are zero good cops. That that's an illogical statement. But what I'm saying is, as these things come to light, we need to be aware of why this is the way that it is, why the institution is such, why there are... And, so how, they're, and how they're trained, exactly, how they are trained, which is a right. key point, that they are trained to be this and how they're trained and to, to see protect. certain people as targets. Right, and how they're trained to protect property and not people, and we should have learned that in Baltimore, and I don't know if enough of us got that lesson when the cops in the riot gear were lined up protecting the stores and the property. Now... I don't know if enough people, because there was a lot going on in Baltimore, and, you know, I don't want to get too sidetracked and go into Baltimore, but I just but it's all connected. Right. It, it is all connected. It definitely is all connected, but what it is is it's an institutionalized racism and an internalized sexism, because what I wanted to touch on also, this is an mm. interesting thing, and I wanted to start with this. This is what, why I started my podcast back up with this incident, and not Freddie Gray and not anybody else. Because by this being a black girl, you have all the racism and all the internalized stuff and all the institutional baggage that comes with how we treat black people in America and how we treat black women. And see, those are two different topics because people think, well, I got into, I had a colorful conversation with somebody today about it on Facebook, um, and it was a white woman who probably told me that, you know, Black Lives Matter, and that's not gender-specific. That was her response to me when I was inquiring about why we don't talk more about the black women who are brutalized by police because we have just as many black women, we have just as many trans people that have been killed Mm. by police as we do black men. And why is it that anytime we say hash, hash mark, Black Lives Matter, it's a black man? And that's some sexism in that as well. And why is it that, you know, when it's this young black woman, because, see, what people don't want to talk about within that, we already, we've talked a lot about racism, and and that's very, very, very much at play. But then you have to talk about the sexism that goes along with that because that's where you introduce your boy, Tommy Sotomayor, and that's where you introduce Umar Johnson and why they're talking crap because – they have issues with women. So even though oh. they're women, that racism piece of it, they have issues with black women from way back. So because it's a black woman, the response is different. 
Exactly, and I knew that was going to be his particular response, you know, that he was going to be that way. But I also want to say, I also want to note that these, there seems to be a silence. There seems to be nothing but crickets when it comes to the white feminists. Where are they? Because it's a black woman all of a sudden, they feel like they're not a part of the conversation. Why are they not defending this young girl? Where is that outrage when it comes to, to this situation right now? And I just don't understand, like, how anybody can look at that situation and say, let's wait for the facts. What we are, we've seen the facts. It was on, it was on camera in several different angles from several different sources. So I'm not understanding what that is about. And Tommy Salamayor has this new video out. Of course, he likes to push your envelope. He likes views. He likes money coming into his bank account. That's all he cares about. But he's, he just, he's demonizing these children, saying that they, that they were playing loud music and they were doing ratchet stuff, so therefore they, the police had to be called. And I'm just not accusing that. I got into a big old thing with him on Twitter. And I pretty much just shut him down, and that's, it's easy to do that because he's not very intellectual. Some people have huge platforms but small minds. Mm. Mm. And that, that's by design, and that's, that's part of what I wanted to get into because you raised that point about where the white feminists, and it's funny because Umar Johnson wanted to know where the black feminists were, but he's had issues with, black feminism and black womanism from years back because while I give Umar Johnson his due credit for what he has done for, again, black boys in school systems on the East Coast, his views about Pan-Africanism and his views about polygamy and his how he's made videos breaking women down into A-list, B-list, C-list, D-list, and how, you know, the order in which you should marry or date your women so, you know, you pick from the A-list first because she has education and no children, and then, you know, how he's ranked the woman. He's a black woman we're talking about, and he's a black man. So it, it plays into that, that mindset is there, and it plays into the reaction when something like this happens because when it's a black male, they're, they're, not, they're not doing all this. But when it's a black woman, they have so many. Oh, that's a good point. That's that's what I was saying. That's what I was noticing as well. Yeah. They have so much poison against black women that we really have to take that moment and make sure that people know that it's the racism thing and the sexism thing side to side. And Hmm. I'm going to find. I'm actually going to find what I said to this woman on Facebook because I think that it's really, really fitting because a mutual friend, and I I didn't know this woman before this conversation today, a mutual friend of ours shared um, a TED talk about uh, racism by a black man, and I will get names and all that good stuff later on, but I don't want to get sidetracked. Well, it's not really sidetracked, but yeah. Me and another uh, fellow black woman journalist brought up a point about how when is the black community going to care about black women? And, you know, I'm growing tired of everything is my brother's keeper. We act like black women don't exist, like we're not being killed, like we aren't being incarcerated, like we aren't being sterilized in prisons. Like this stuff isn't happening, only the boys. And this woman, which might I add, this this white woman that I don't know where she came from, I don't know this lady, and I quote, I agree with the need for more attention on the needs of black women and girls. Still, it isn't a contest 
This post is right on. He speaks clearly and vividly about realities that black men and boys face, some of which are also true for women and girls. While there are things they deal with that he doesn't mention, that's not the point of his talk. Black Lives Matter is thankfully not gender specific. Yeah. That was the comment to me. Now, I mean, I, huh. there was a black man that, that, that posted this on, on Facebook, and he didn't get into that side discussion between me and her, but I found it interesting because <laughs> what we have here is a black man has opened this platform up to talk about the the institutionalized racism that black men and boys deal with, and within opening that door, he has opened the door for a white woman to tell a black woman that her struggle shouldn't matter because that's not what we're talking about right now. He's opened the door for that to happen and has said nothing. And, and to the credit of this person, maybe he didn't see it, I don't know, but that's what's happening in these conversations, and it's it's a global thing that's happening with Black men saying, here's what's going on with us, and this is what it's about, Where, and then opening that door and leaving it open for white people to say, yes, yeah, shut up, black woman. What you're talking about doesn't matter right now. This isn't the point of the conversation. So that's an interesting uh, thing. And, you know, next week I'll probably come on here and talk about how that relates to uh, Tess Holiday. and I don't know, you know, and I don't want to get on that because we only have an hour, but I don't know how many people are familiar with, uh, Tess Holiday, formerly known as Tess Monster, and what she said, but the plus size model, and she plus size model said what? She's a plus size model and white woman. She's a plus size model, and she's about you know made some flippant comment about how black men love her, oh. and it, it's all it seems unrelated, but it isn't because when you have these men that are taking up for anybody else but their female counterparts, we start to have these problems that go unaddressed and go unchecked because they're they're not they're doing these microaggressions. When it's time for us to get together and say, this fourteen year old girl was slammed into the ground by her hair and by this over aggressive cop who was then allowed to resign and justice probably will not be served for her. That, that is what's going on. So what we don't need is the microaggression, and what we don't need is to make this a conversation about anything else. We don't need to make this – and I've seen all of this. We don't need to make this a conversation about what she had on, if she was old enough to wear a bikini, or she had two pieces on, or where were the pants. <laughs> I've heard all of this happen. That's not the discussion that we're having. We're having a discussion that was about excessive force. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the fact that nobody is saying her name. Now, I I did mention this uh, earlier to those who follow me on, on Twitter. They might have seen it. Why is it that we are not saying this young lady's name? Now, we knew Trayvon Martin. We knew Eric Garner. We knew all these people, but when it's a black woman, we don't even name her. We passed the video and the picture around of her getting assaulted, and we've seen her body, and we've seen her slam down, and we've seen her cry out for her mother. We're not saying her name. I had to research just to find out what the girl's name was. No, that's unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. 
but it's okay because it's a woman. On top of it, what is her name? I gotta look at it. I mean, it is hard to find. I have to look, and this is just sad and ridiculous. And yeah. I don't. It has nothing to do with. Nope, because all these articles, young black girl, young black girl, and it's like, what is the? I'm surprised they haven't interviewed her because they interviewed that boy who was spanked. Exactly. It's not Anyway, I only found it in like one place earlier. And I'm talking about these aren't little rinky date. This is like the, the Times and the Post and the, you know. Yeah. They, and they're just not mentioning it. Um, but in any case, I'm going to let you go ahead and respond because I know I just said a lot of stuff. And I'm going to look for this uh-uh. young lady's name because it's important. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think there's any excuse for what happened. I mean, in terms of that situation, I, I was just outraged by some of the comments from people who call themselves African-American leaders, whether they call themselves Afro-Beta or not, they still see themselves as people that have platforms that inspire black people in their minds. And I do not understand how whatever they were doing, if they broke into a pool, which everyone has done throughout history in the summertime, um, and I can't imagine them breaking into a pool in the middle of the day, the middle of the day where there's already a function going on, how, how was anyone, you know, how are they going to be able to do that? But if they did that, does that merit all that hysteria that transpired when they called the police? Why would the police not call on the white woman who was calling the young people niggers and telling them to go back to Section 8 when she physically assaulted the young person? Why are we so quick to believe this, this narrative that has been spoon-fed to us that these bad gangster-ass black kids were in there listening to gangster music loud and disrupting the white tranquility of the neighborhood? That's what I'm confused about. And, why, and I, just, I don't understand how it is that we are not, are not looking at this situation and saying this can happen anywhere and this can happen to our own people in our own neighborhoods. This can happen to our children, to our nieces, to our nephews. You know? And I think that if, if this is the way that police respond to situations, then, then white people should not be surprised when it should not be outraged if the police come to their young kids who are in college and they're having house house parties and the house party gets too rambunctious, when the police come and slam their kids on the ground and they bleed and all kinds of shit and somebody's putting their nasty crotch on your daughter's head, then maybe you shouldn't be outraged by that. Oh, they, oh they're just doing their job and, 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 our, and our children were just misbehaving and being rambunctious. So I'm sure there would be a double standard when, when that happens. But no, it doesn't happen because when white kids do those type of things and have house parties and stuff, this type of stuff does not happen. Nor does it happen when they have these sports events and they lose a, a game or something and they start riding all over the damn college town. We don't have situations with tanks and all that stuff coming in. So it just it plays into that. And I, um, <laughs> I just am tired of each little event that's happening you know, this sort of topic of Black Lives Matter and things like that, sort of, even though nobody was killed, but that girl could have easily been killed if those two partners did not come and take that gun away from him. But 
it seems like there's this re there's this, there's this energy that comes in that's reintroduced, but then it kind of dies down. We need to keep this going. We need to have a purpose. And marching and all that stuff has not solved anything. I feel like we need to understand that we need to take control of these so-called departments, and we need to have more um, power in our own communities and stop um, being so complacent as far as waiting for somebody to come and bring a change to us, bring the change that we want. And that's what I have to say about that. And thank you for that. And I actually, I was able to find her name from BuzzFeed, and I love BuzzFeed for that reason. But it should not, I should not have had to Google extensively. I should not have had to, and I apologize, her name was in my original show notes that aren't right in front of me, but um, her name is um, Dajiria uh, Becton. Becton? Becton, B-E-C-T-O-N. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, but what I'm saying is that's important, and if we were in a consistent society and in a consistent, I shudder to say, journalistic, you know, if, if, if our journalism was consistently like we don't name minors, then okay, that's fine. But we knew Tamir Rice's name. We knew Trayvon Martin's name. We know their names when they're boys. We just, you know, even the young man, his name is escaping me, but they said his name because if you want to argue, well, they were killed, she wasn't. We knew the name of the young man who was assaulted outside the bar when he was in college, and it came out that uh-huh. he was in a fraternity, and, you know, they, you know, and they roughed him up outside of the bar when he was peaceably going about his way. They said his name. So I'm, I'm not understanding <laughs> And this is important to me, and, and yes, it does kind of go right into that whole Say Her Name movement on Twitter. And the reason why the Say Her Name movement exists is because when these things happen to black women, we don't know their names. They are nameless, faceless women, and it doesn't get any media attention, and we don't have this conversation. So that's why it was right. very important for me to take the time and just go and actually find her name. I don't care how many sites I had to go through, find out where her name was, and to publicize that, and I'm going to be tweeting it as well. The other thing that I wanted to say, you brought up another excellent point. We can stop marching now. We can stop taking time off of work and going and walking around because all we're getting is exercise. Uh We can stop calling Jesse. We can stop calling Al. It ain't working. Fair time might be a good one to call. Even him, he he didn't he didn't walk us around on a few occasions. Mm, he getting kind of old now, but he's still got He didn't had some marches and walked some people around, and it, you know, mm. this it is not helping. That's the, these marches don't make us bulletproof. Holding signs don't make us bulletproof, and I have no problem with organizing and doing those things. We need to be organizing, but we have to use the tools that are disposal, because what people don't understand is that, yes, back in the 60s, we did. We did a lot of marching. We did a lot of sitting in. What we also did was a lot of affecting the economy. Nobody listened to us solely because we marched. What people don't understand, because textbooks are also being rewritten to edit things out and make it seem like everybody got along, and then after slavery was over, we said thank you and went about our way and did something else. They are erasing the fact that what got us attention, what got them listening to us in the 60s were things like the Montgomery bus boycott because when they had to start firing 
white bus drivers because there weren't anybody riding the buses. And they couldn't feed their families because they didn't have enough hours because nobody was riding the bus. Then they said, hey, hold on. This is the problem. Mm-hmm. They've never stopped just because a bunch of us congregated and held some signs. That's not what happened. And we're the biggest consumers in this, in this country. So we have a lot of power. We just don't know it. We have a lot of financial power. We just don't, we just don't know it. We, know, we got Jordans, and we buy all these Jordans and all this other stuff. I mean, that money is not even going back into the black community. When you, when you go out and buy a $200 pair of shoes, that's not going back into the community. That's going overseas. Of course. It is. And it, it's like, you know, you, you know I, I, and I try to get people to understand, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting and having nice things, but there should be a balance. And I but they're telling us what nice things are, and they see what, they're, what they've done historically is they told us that our own name brand, that our own brands that we have created are not are not nice. They've, exactly. they've given us this glittering dream that the European name brands are what we need to aspire to have. When you know they done made Fubu seem like it's corny back in the day, and all that kind of stuff. So you know we we do have a lot of these local designers and things in D.C., but nobody wants to buy them because oh, what I saw Jay Z wear on on TV is not is not this kind of style. You know they had this whole movie, this new line. I forgot what it's called, but it has these these Africa T-shirts that are being sold. But you know people don't they're brainwashed into thinking that the European standard is better, and of course it's more expensive. And, and that's why I'm just out of that's that's the that's the issue right there. This is brainwashing, um, this conspicuous consumption. That's that's what it is. Right, it it, it is, and I I agree with that because what we're what we're essentially doing is we never support black business, and and of course I'm generalizing, and and I don't want anybody to take offense. But overall, the, yeah. the thing is, here's the thing. Those that are actually listening to me, those who took the time out of their night to actually call in or get on their computer or whatever, I, I feel a lot of times like I'm preaching to the choir, and that's why the intention is to post this stuff on Facebook and keep saying it on Twitter and, and passing around to other people. Uh-huh. Because I'm preaching to the choir. I know everybody on this call right now has some semblance of consciousness, and I'm not in your pocket telling you what shoes to buy and, and what to wear because I know that assimilation isn't a crime because that's what's been required of us for the entire time that we've been brought from the African continent here. There's a certain amount of assimilation Even the language. required right. to, 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 live, to live your life. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is what we can't do, and this was a note that I had uh, to, to mention, what we can't do is fall into this, what what, if the, what they would call it, the new black, quote-unquote? Oh, God, Emma Pharrell Williams, yeah. No, we can't do that because when it, there's a difference between assimilation and knowing that you have to assimilate, and there's also a difference between, you know, I need some certain things to get by and there's nothing wrong with having some stuff that I like. That's totally different than thinking that something that you did by your own power has made it so you didn't get shot, you didn't get brutalized, you didn't get raped, you didn't, you know, end up in prison in solitary confinement and killing yourself like that young man that killed himself earlier in the week Uh because they put him in solitary confinement from, what, about the age of 14? And a 14-year-old brain can't handle that. But the difference is the new black will have you thinking that when you succeed and when you make more than $3, when you can do some things, when you can afford to go and see some people, when you can go and see Kevin Hart, when you can go and do these things and those things and get on a plane and go on a nice vacation, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh. What it is is 
let's be honest and just say you was real lucky or, or blessed or favored or however people want to phrase it, but that don't make you any better because there was nothing you did that made it so you weren't the one that got killed or got beat up because when they see you, they see a black person. They see a black woman or man. They see the threat no matter what you got on, no matter where you work. And that's why there are people in New York making a six-figure salary who are getting arrested in Macy's trying to buy a belt because they're like, where did you get this money from? It happened to Oprah, so it can happen to anybody. Yeah. So I, I just – and that's what I wanted to point out about the new black. It's not that I have an issue with people acquiring wealth or doing certain things. We live in a capitalistic, patriarchal society. That's just what America is. But with that, have some knowledge and have some accountability that you didn't – a lot of people, and I see this a lot, and I'm going to offend some people that may be listening to me, and that's okay. I never said I was going to keep you comfortable. I get sick of seeing on Facebook the people that think that they're a better, more acceptable Negro because of where they went to school, where they happen to work, and what they can afford. They will shoot you, I just don't like to play those games. We are in too much dire times to nitpick about what a young lady had on or if she was cursing or what was going on. No, the, the respectability politics, I can't handle because it doesn't matter. And it we've all been young and teenagers and, 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 shake, shake, and shook our ass at a, at a ratchet pool party at, at, on, on some occasions. That's a part of being young. Why, why are we being so holier than thou all of a sudden? The, the point of being young and pretty and skinny is so that you can shake your ass and wear a bikini and, and hey, like, oh, he's cute and all that stuff. I mean, that's a part of being a young girl. I don't understand why they're demonizing this young girl acting like she can't wear a bikini, why they can't play music, why they can't play music that is uh, – Culturally, culturally relevant to them. I mean, they oh, they're not supposed to play rap music because it's going to offend the white people in that neighborhood. Oh, please! I don't, I don't understand what what is wrong with these people. Like, what happened to their souls? What happened to their common sense? What happened to their sense of remembering what, what it was like when they were young? That's that just irritates me. And that also that leads me to one that leads me to one point that I really really want to make that you reminded me because I was going to say this earlier and I, I sidetracked myself. Anytime something like this happens. And we fall back on that old trope, or people fall back on that old trope about the loud music playing and the rap music playing and, you know, and it was disturbing the peace or I was upset or, you know, it just, I'm in my quiet neighborhood and I don't want that and it just, it makes me scared for my life. What we don't understand and what people kind of gloss over the fact is that I would say for the last at least, 10 to 12 years, because I started keeping up with the statistics, what, 2005, that's 10 years ago. For at least the last 10 years, white middle class youth have been the people that bankroll rap music. They buy the albums and go to the conference and on iTunes more than black ones do. So what is this in the black kids in the hip-hop music? We are not the main consumers of hip-hop music and haven't been for a decade. Well, at that party, there were white kids there too. They were they were dancing. Where if the music wasn't D playing, they were they were there too. Because the, the guy that was interviewed, the white boy that recorded it, he said that there were white kids there, and the white kids were ignored when the police came. And so, culturally relevant, I meant was for the age group that was there. They liked the music that's out now, the rap, the hip hop, whatever. Why can't they play it? I don't I don't get it. No, no, and I, I'm I 
I take your point, and I agree with you. I just wanted to clarify for people that might be listening, yeah, people no. that uh-huh. listen, listen to get on YouTube, don't let people sell you that lie because hip-hop music and rap culture and the clothes and the concert tickets, that has not been exclusively or even majority bankrolled by black dollars in a long time. So don't mm-hmm. even say lie to you and say that that's a causation for what's going because it's not. And I'm not saying that black kids don't listen to some rap music because they do. I don't care. You listen to what you like, you don't listen to what you don't like. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. But let's not pretend like this is, you know, because it's one does not indicate the other. And nobody, when these people are saying this, nobody is stepping up with any statistics and saying, no, if you look at the buying power, if you look at Billboard, if you look at Virgin Records, if you look at the stakeholders, if you look at the the apparel sales, if you look break it down into the marketing of, you know, how It's much, international. Right, internationally, it ain't us. And that's why, and that goes into the reason why rap music is not conscious anymore. That's why the mainstream rap has been so dumbed down, and it makes us look like buffoons. That's why it, that's why it changed because they realized the white people got to steal everything from us. They wanted to make it more commercialized. They wanted to take it international. They wanted to make it mainstream. When something goes mainstream, guess what? It loses. It's, it loses its original culture. It's not there anymore. The, the black has, has been gone away from it, and that's why the real MCs have distanced themselves from this mainstream rap. It, it doesn't represent where it began. The political movement that was involved with rap is gone because it is mainstream, and it's, and it's, it's something that is just, oh, yeah, let's just hear this nice beat, and let's have it sell on iTunes. And we got Tigger and the Kardashians and all this stupid bullshit, circus bullshit that goes on with it. it has nothing to do with hip-hop. And I feel like I agree with what Farrakhan was saying. If we could somehow bring that, the essence of it back, bring back what was going on in the 80s and the movement with the public enemy and all that kind of stuff, but bring it back into a more modern sense and get some of these people that are out now to be more conscious and break away from their puppet masters and create something that's going to empower the young people, we might see a little bit of change, but it's going to be gradual. Because I do believe that there is some subliminal brainwashing when it comes to this music and all this kind of stuff. Because they're not really moved. They're not, they're not excited. When I was young and I was listening to, like, Nas and all those kind of people, I was I was invigorated. I felt good about myself and my, and my skin color, and, and I felt good about you know, creating something, you know, and creating some type of empire for myself. And that's what Nas is all about. And we don't have that anymore. We don't have those type of, dare I say, role models, but we don't have that type of energy anymore. You know, the honesty of what they've been through and how they were able to take where they were and become something bigger for themselves. We don't have that anymore. Jay-Z is not teaching anybody anything as far as what he's been able to accomplish because he's pretty much sold his soul. But that's another story. (laughs) But but you know what? But I think part of it is, and yes, we had a lot of party songs because I feel like I'm kind of, you know, me and you were kind of in that last that that kind of last generation of the golden era of hip hop. And not I to know, say right? that, seriously, not to seem a lot older than we are. I mean, but we had the party songs and we had the stuff that you know you just listen to and you feel good or the club music or whatever. But for all mm-hmm. of that you still had Nas if I rule the world. You still had common. You still had people saying certain stuff to you that was uplifting or speaking to oh, your yeah. You still had you know, for every hit 'em up that Tupac did, it was, you know, dear mama, it was keep your head up. I mean you had other stuff. Hip hop doesn't yeah. do that anymore. So anytime that people 
want to come with this affront to rap music. And I'm like, no, because it's like, let, let's talk about what it was and what it is now and how, you know, the people that are doing it now, it's not for our mass consumption anymore. It's not about our experiences. It's what's selling and it's singles and who's buying it on iTunes because the demographics of who are buying it has changed. The subject matter has changed. Mm-hmm. Because, exactly. because I still listen to Nas and Lauren Hill in, in common, and sometimes I'd rather play my CDs from 1998 than listen to the new stuff that's going on I'm just saying. I mean, I would listen to Lauren Hill if she didn't have all these homophobic lyrics in her music, but yeah, I mean, I used to like the old I'm Lauren Hill, you know, but... Right. <laughs> I get, that was a problematic example for a lot of reasons, but that was just like, <laughs> the top of my head. But, you know, but even with that, we had problematic people, but... Even our most problematic people weren't the same kind of problematic that it is now. Mm-hmm. They said dumb stuff. Every generation of people does, but for the dumb stuff they said, it wasn't I'm in love with the cocoa. They actually did say something. They actually had an opinion for you to disagree with. So, you know. Yeah. They used to sell the cocoa, and now they're using the cocoa. <laughs> right. And then and it was like they also... Even when it, it when when we were coming up, even when hip hop music was about drugs, if you notice, the drug use was the platform to do something else and to get out of the situation that you were in. Nobody mm-hmm. sold drugs or talked about selling drugs because they wanted to. Hell, because they had no other choice. Notorious B.I.G. You know, um, gosh. Gosh, gosh, gosh! That song he was so you know, and and he was selling the he was selling the drugs to feed his daughter, and how he was able to move up and get a house. Same thing Tupac was saying. Same thing Jay Z said. Jay Z still talking about it, which that's a topic for another day. How I think he uh, needs to sit on somewhere for a really long time. He's still talking about how he sold coke and how he sold crack to get you know because he really just wanted to be a rapper. I mean. Uh-huh. But it was a way to get out of something. It wasn't something to be aspired to. That's right. the we, but we had, the, we had the cautionary tales. Now it's not as many cautionary tales, and maybe it's just that I'm aging out of certain things, but it's not an authenticity to it anymore. Because no, it's just Lil Wayne being on Sarah or whatever the hell he's on and, you know, all that. Because even for people, and I'll tell you, full disclosure, there are some people who have, might make a song or something on the radio that I like or, or something, but the authenticity is not there. And I'll give you a good example. When Drake came out, Drake had a couple songs that I would hear on the radio. Okay, I could butt my head to it. It's all right. I like it a little bit. You grew up in Canada. <laughs> you and where did he get that, where did he get that Atlanta accent from? Right. You didn't sell nothing, sling nothing, shoot nobody. I watched you on Degrassi. No. Stop lying. You just Yeah, did. you know, him and him and you know, but him and him, him and Izzy is Iggy is Elia. I mean that's how it is now. It's just a fraud. Everything is a fraud. Everything is marketed. Like there's no one genuine and authentic. No one that actually grew up and actually studied how to be a good lyricist. That's that that does things there. Because it doesn't matter because they know what's gonna happen is it's gonna get the auto-tune treatment and whatever else is going to happen with it, 
and you know, and 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 that's just it. It's it's gonna you know that that's what what it's gonna be. It is what it is. But you know, on that note, we will have a we will have a show coming up, uh, and we'll we'll talk about the the state of hip hop and all that other stuff. But I just want to because we are actually quickly approaching the end of our hour, like really really quickly. Oh, in five minutes. So I just wanted to make sure I wrap things up in as neat a bow as I could for people who called in later, people who are listening, or people who will listen in the future when I get this podcasted and up. And just, you know, it's a lot going on with this McKinney situation. There is a lot that's still not being said about police brutality. But two things that I do want to leave everybody with, and then I'll let you make some comments, Isaiah, but two of the things I want to leave people with is to listen for the story within the story. I weed through this stuff. You weed through this stuff. I know people on Twitter, you know, other journalists, other storytellers weeding through this stuff to kind of bring you, you know, some understanding. And nobody, no person, no entity is completely unbiased, but kind of sift through this so you can understand what's really going on. And I encourage people to not take it at the headlines because there are times when mainstream media gets it wrong. And sometimes it's on purpose and sometimes it's just difficult to discern. But dig a little bit deeper because this this has to do with all of us and we're all unwittingly in this boat together as far as police brutality for our young women. You know, I wanted to talk specifically about young women, but even with our young men, we're all in this boat together and it affects all of us and the ramifications are seismic. So just to make sure that you're – kind of listening and, and, and kind of, you know, getting what you can glean as far as the real story out of that. And just also making sure that where you have a platform, that if it's important to you, pass it on. You know, the the thing mm-hmm. is that what's going on isn't new. What is new is technology. What is new is that everybody has a smartphone now. You know, everybody has a way to record it. Everybody has a way that, you know, it travels around the world now as opposed to people were getting beat up and shot and people were getting taken on rough rides for many decades now. We just have the technology where we can see it and record it and upload it and tell people and, and share it and the word gets out. So just keep that in mind that this is not new. Every time I see somebody make a tweet or a Facebook, what's wrong with the world, you know, this is new. This is not new. You see it now because technology has enabled that. So use that same technology, and whether you have Twitter or Facebook, whether you run a church group or a discussion group or a book club or, you know, whatever it is that you – I feel like every person has something that they can do, however small. If you can reach three people, five people, ten people, you know, you still are important because right now it's the wild, wild west, and we don't have a lot of – actual leaders, quote-unquote. So we have to do the legwork. So I just encourage everybody to go ahead and start to do that work and do what they can with the platform that they have. And I would encourage everybody to definitely stay stay connected with people 
and don't spend your time being so divisive and stuff and trying to just we need to all kind of unite. I just I, it's just I know it's you know it's corny to be like holding hands and saying we shall overcome, but I just feel like you know black people nowadays. The problem, I think, it starts with, from my vantage point, is that we're not united enough. I think we all need to just kind of come together. No matter if if it seems like there's nothing going on in the news, no, we don't need we don't need something happening on the news to come together. I think we should always come together and just you know, even if you don't know somebody, you know, I think we, we need to have that sense of community again. Because you know, as far as I see it, there really is no black community right now. We're all divided, every, you know, all over the place. The only time we come together is on social media when somebody gets shot or somebody gets thrown against the sidewalk some damn where. But we need to come together and not just at church when they ask you to turn to your neighbor and say and say hello, you know. And so that's the main thing. And once we come together and once we start investing in each other, once we start opening business together, they have this stereotype that black folks can't work together or they can't, you know, whatever. But we need to work on that. You know, I think that once we start investing in our in our community, once we start to build our own, then things will start to change. Because like, like Portia said, like you said, you know, the only way they're going to listen is to us and our and our not buying certain things and buying into their establishment, and that's how we're going to change things. And if you want to hear more about what I have to say, you go to my YouTube, which is d dot m y s t d dot m y s t d miss, and I'm on Facebook right now. My name is Kote Kente, uh, K U N T E. Um, and uh, no, that's not how you spell it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's how you spell it. Okay, Kunta Kente, uh, K-U-N-T-A, Kente, and my name is Isaiah Parker, I-S-A-Y-A-H, Parker, on Facebook. And go on there, and I have videos on there that for some reason have gone viral because I was talking about Beyonce's announcement and how she's not doing anything and how people like her in her position are not saying anything about the issues that are going on, especially her home state of Texas, not talking about the real issues in our community, yet calling herself a feminist. Beyonce called herself a, fem- a feminist, but not saying anything about this young girl, this situation being thrown against the sidewalk by this police officer. She's silent on that, but talking about food on Get More to America, and that's on my Facebook and on my YouTube, d.myst. And thank you so much, Forster, for this for this conversation and inviting me into this podcast, and I look forward to more of our conversations. Yes, definitely. And that is about it for me because I could talk all night, and I I didn't even get on Beyonce and the whole vegan thing because she's so out of touch. I'm not and even doing relevant. this for her. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing this for her because even if black people weren't getting shot down and killed, which we are, um, <laughs> with all the food insecure areas in this country and the fact that because um, another show that I have coming up is actually talking about the changes in food stamps and SNAP benefits and how we, a lot of places, people that are on public assistance won't even be able to get enough orange juice or canned vegetables to last them the entire month. So I'm not going to talk about vegan food. It's ridiculous to me not doing it. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening in. Um, as you can tell, the podcast is back. I am back with you live on your airwaves. So I will be uploading this to YouTube and SoundCloud. I will keep everybody posted on social media. Thanks for everybody who listened to help make this possible. Thanks for Isaiah Parker for coming and chatting with me and sharing your opinions. As always, it's been a lively, wonderful discussion. And everybody have a wonderful and safe evening. Until next time, bye-bye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.